Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 392. My name is Eric Nelson, and with me today, I have my special co-host, Corey Romero. John White is off doing business. He's an SE, so he has some stuff to do today, so he'll be back next week. But, Corey, thanks for filling in. Absolutely, Eric. Pleasure. Yep. Fantastic. Awesome. So today is podcast number 392, What's New with vRealize Automation 7.3 with Chad Elzin. Chad, I think you're on the call. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good afternoon. Um, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah. My first uh, first time uh, speaker. Um, so really happy to be here and looking forward to the conversation. Well, great. We'll get to you. We'll let you tell us about who you are and what you've been doing in the ecosystem. But before we do that, um, and before we get to vRealize 7.3, that should be cool. We're going to just do a little bit quick news because there's always stuff going on, especially as we run up to VMworld. So what do we have in the news? Uh, Corey, I'll start, and then you can jump in. I have VMworld early bird registration is over. So if you missed that, we're really sorry about that, but there is, I think, a caveat that I can I can list here, which is I believe the session selection announcements have gone out. I think they went out over the weekend. So congratulations to all the people that were chosen to present sessions. I know they had over a thousand session submissions, and I know that they only you know selected maybe 350 plus somewhere in that neighborhood. Don't know the exact number, but if you didn't get selected. Uh, Apologies. I wish we could, you know, have a huge event where everybody could could talk. Um, but I know that um, the announcements went out after the early bird registration closed, and so I think there I've been whispered to that they're going to send out invites to those people that did submit sessions to come in and register. You'll still get the early bird pricing. So if you did not make it into the session selection, but you still want to come to VMworld, there's a couple options. One, I think they're going to send you an invite to get early bird still. And then two, we do have the VMTN Tech Talks that are going to be opening up. I think Katie is on the call. Uh, Katie, do you want to just take cover that for a second and talk about how people might engage with that program? Because I know we're going to be giving out uh, session passes there also. Yeah, absolutely. So later this afternoon, we'll be releasing a blog that opens the call for content for VMTN Tech Sessions or Tech Talks powered by V Brown Bag. Uh, so these sessions will be taking place in VM Village in the VMTN community area. They will be ranging from 12 to 27 minutes in time. And uh, what's special this year is that VMTN is partnering with V Brown Bag to sponsor these sessions. So what that means for participants is one, you have a chance to win, uh, or you have a chance to get a VM World Pass um, as a presenter. We were sponsoring. 20 passes, so a limited number of passes. When you submit your content, please be clear about whether or not you need one. And two, we will be putting these sessions in Schedule Builder for both VMworld US and Europe. So we're expecting larger audience, a higher awareness around the community program, and we're going to be putting promotional resources uh, on social and blogs towards um, optimizing these Tech Talks' impact. Okay, great, great. Well, that should be interesting. We always like the brown bag. Uh, excited about that. I know they have also been getting a list of um, people that are interested in getting their their papers in early. I think the difference this year is if you do it early, we can get you in Session Builder. And the times we've gotten these tech talks in Session Builder, we've basically filled the theater. So we want to do that again this year. Yep. Great, Thanks, great. Okay, good. Thanks for the update, Katie. And we're looking forward to your blog, and we'll we'll definitely you know evangelize that when you when you get that out later today. Corey, what's up with the experts? Anything you want to talk about? 
Yeah, so last week um, I just briefly touched on the applications. Um, I don't think the applications were open last week when I talked. Uh, I opened them just just after the podcast. Anyways, they're currently open. Uh, clarification real quick for any V-Experts that are listening. If you are participating in the V-Expert NSX or V-Expert VSAN, you do need to reapply. Uh, you do not need to reapply for the second half, only if you're new. Um, anyways, so some key dates around that. Uh, so the... Uh, the dates for uh, applications went live June 7th, July 7th, applications close. And then August 11th, we'll have uh, the V-Expert Award announcement, and that will go for the entire program as well as vSphere, or sorry, NSX and vSAM programs. All right, great. Thanks for running that and get your applications in. So just to reiterate, if you've already, if you're a 2017 V-Expert, you do not need to apply. This is for people that missed it and have not done it or have just recently done enough work that they think they can qualify. If you didn't get selected for the first half of 2017, can you reapply? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the reason why we do this is we reapply and then we also take into account the efforts from uh, the, from the first time you, you applied in the beginning of the year till now. Okay, great. Um, Tommy Berry mentions that uh, Europe opened through 620 for early bird, so good correction there. Early bird for Europe is still happening, so be aware of that. All right, Corey, thanks for the update there. Uh, the only other thing I, I have in the news or something we should talk about before we get to vRealize Automation 7.3 is that Tim Bonneman, who runs the VMware Code program, uh, wants to make sure we mention that vRealize, there is a vRealize Slack channel out there. Uh, so if you want to talk about vRealize Automation, you can go uh, join Code. If you're a member of Code already, you can go in there and have some conversation about vRealize Automation, and you know, 7.3 is out. So with that, uh, before we move off the news, anybody else want to do any shout-outs or uh, call-outs on news events before we move into vRealize Automation? Yeah, last thing from the community side is I just want to say congratulations to our newest community warrior, Bayou. Um, and to learn more about him and his contributions to VMTN, head to the VMTN blog. And congrats, Bayou. Yes, shout out to them. Bayou, yep. Saw the picture on uh, communities.vmware.com on the front page. He looks, he looks like he's sporting some, some good gear and uh, nice to see our community members, good to see their pictures. Uh, go check out communities.vmware.com and, and say congratulations to the community warrior. All right, no other news. Uh, we'll get to Jad. So Jad, um, welcome to the show again. I appreciate you coming on here. Uh, Vrealize Automation 7.3 got released. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How long have you been in the IT industry, and how long have you been at VMware, and uh, what are you working on? All right, thanks again. Um, so I guess we'll do uh, a little bit of an intro. Um, so I've been with uh, so Jad Alzane uh, at Virtual Jad and VirtualJad.com. Um, I've been with VMware about seven and a half years. Uh, this December will be eight years. It's been just an amazing run. Um, had an opportunity to do all kinds of things uh, within or uh, in my career here. Um, started off as an SE uh, in the federal space. I came from a federal customer. Uh, so for 11 years prior to joining VMware, um, I worked at Lockheed Martin. Uh, and I was in IT um, all the way up to data center architect. Um, but really cool things, a lot of uh, DOD installations, a lot of, uh, you know, one of my last projects was virtualizing aircraft carriers uh, or the design for it. Um, so it really did push me down to, uh, down the, not rat hole, but the, the experience I got with uh, virtualization and, and, yeah, there's there's a lot of, somebody commented, there's a lot of keyboard knocking. It sounds like a Mac keyboard. Mm, okay, thanks. In the studio here, stop typing. Uh, it is interesting, Lockheed Martin, and working on that. Uh, a little bit of my history, I worked for DOD, and we worked on nuclear submarines, uh, moving all the documentation 
from physical manuals to to compute, right? Uh, PDFs, PDFs, HTML, uh, HTML, HTML at the time. Um, it's interesting to work in that space and see the transition from machines to virtual machines, and just the amount of weight you lose by consolidating hardware, right? And the ships actually float, a, you know, an inch higher because of the the work you're doing. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And subs were definitely in scope. Um, one of the so the things I focused on designing was uh, were afloat data centers. So it was the Navy fleet um, as part of a Keynes program. But subs, uh, we couldn't call them afloat data centers. They were submerged data centers. Uh, and it was, nice. it was a significant reduction in swap, the size, weight, and power. And it was just an, an awesome experience. Uh, but anyways, that led me up to right. to uh, go ahead. Sorry. No, that's right. It's right. It's good. It's good yeah. experience, and it helps us. You know, when we're building products for this space, it helps us get a grip on what we're actually building for. So cool. Exactly. Exactly. And then coming over, being recruited by VMware uh, by my account team, which I still love. Um, best thing I I did. Um, it it really gave me a, a very unique, uh, re, unique look at what our customers. Now that I'm a on the vendor side, what our customers were really trying to get with our products. Um, so I think that was a, you know, my experience at Lockheed and, and my customer experience as I came to the vendor side, it really helped me re just focus on what I really wanted to do, what I thought was just incredible, innovative technology. And I knew what wowed me as a customer, and I, and I just wanted to be a part of the products that wowed our customers. Um, so that led me into cloud management. Um, and then two years ago, I joined the cloud management business unit. Uh, five years in the field, and then um, I, I think I, uh, a couple months from now I'll hit my two-year anniversary in the in the CMBU. Um, and so what I do now is uh, focus primarily. I mean, if you look, check out my blog or or what I tweet, it's it's all cloud management platform. But my my true focus is the entire SDDC stack, and it's um, what I call full stack automation. And it all comes down to vRealize automation as the the core component all and all of that. But Within scope is, of course, cloud management or um, the operations and log insight. Um, NSX is my second specialty. Um, that's that's a self-described specialty. Uh, vSAN, hugely passionate about that. So when I'm writing or talking or presenting, um, it's always about the full stack. So you've got this SDDC. You've got a lot of different things called SDDC, but ultimately, what it, what does it come down to? Um, and what I do is help our business go to market with um, with that message. Uh, and then as I go to market, I'm also working with engineering, I'm working with product management, uh, product marketing, uh, and our field. I do a lot of the field enablement, build a lot of the content that's consumed by uh, our field for education as well as our customers. Um, so I'm, I'm knee deep in this stuff, hugely passionate about it. Uh, every time I, I talk about VRA or write about VRA, I'm, I'm just, you could almost hear the passion in, in the typing or in the text. Uh, so that's what I want yeah. to talk about today. I, I cool. think it's, um, I think we've, we've yeah. come a long way and well, I want to spend some of that time. That's a lot, it's a lot of years to be here and it has been a fun ride for sure. And I, I guess I, I relate to the idea that as you climb up the stack, and I always talk to people about that stack, right, that you know, you're, you're on the top because you're managing everything, which means you just have to be a master of all the components underneath, whether it be uh, vSAN or vSphere, ESX, you know, or all the components. And then management gets into agents and how to manage the, all the hardware components. So you really are kind of a, a master of everything in order to to do a good job managing everything that's underneath that stack, right? Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that I loved about VMware as a customer and now as vendor is that um, it's never been a rip and replace proposition, right? We've always been able to consume VMware as part of a transition, as part of a bridge, as part of just you know adding into a brownfield environment, gaining all the benefits there, and then saying, okay, my next gen infrastructure is going. We're going to start this way. So VRA is, you know, when we talk about SDDC, don't don't be confused. That's not saying rip everything out, build vSphere, NSX, vSAN, and manage it with vRealize. That's not the case at all. We have something like that, right? And it's really cool, uh, and we're putting a lot of steam behind it. But um, but really, the SDDC, um, especially from an automation and cloud management perspective, it's what can I plug into, what can I automate, uh, and how can I make that thing 
look and feel like it is designed to be part of an application's lifecycle. And that is really what resonates with customers. And whether it's a container or just some business process or a custom service or a private and public cloud implementation, think about how those components, either next gen or legacy or everything in between, um, would integrate into this infrastructure, into these tools that you adopt as a business, and, and how do I make those a part of an application uh, lifecycle? So whenever we say app-centric XYZ, it's app-centric networking, app-centric security, app-centric storage, it doesn't really mean NSX and vSAN. Um, in, in our materials, it often points to that, but be aware that I could take any infrastructure service tie it into a solution like vRealize Automation and integrate, automate, and orchestrate that component via the, the, the most common or the least common denominator of a REST API, if I don't have native plugins or scripts or right. PowerShell or anything like that, and just right. make it part of an application lifecycle. So that's really what we're focused on, and, and you can see that in the evolution of the product line um, and, right. and our messaging as well. Right. So in, when we talked Cloud Foundation, we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago, Cloud Foundation, they really do focus on a lot of greenfield, right? Where when you talk about re-realized automation and all the you know, interfacing that you can do to control all these objects, it's, it's anything but green. I mean, I'm certainly you can do green, but really this thing has been built for handling, you know, your current data center and all the components that you do have, and then just trying to, you know, automate and control the operation of that. So interesting. So when we get to uh, vRealize, the history of vRealize, we're talking the suite here. Do you want to just give us kind of a, a short high level of the suite before we drill down into what's new with 7.3? Yeah, so, so the vRealize suite, um, it, it is VMware's cloud management platform. This is the entire... Uh, it's, it's actually made up of a, of a bunch of individual products or capabilities that you could also um, take on or implement uh, independently. But FreeRealize Suite is designed to solve um, the, one of the biggest uh, challenges in rolling out a cloud. You know, we've been calling it the journey to the cloud. Now it's called digital transformation, software-defined everything. Um, but these, these products, VRealize Suite, while they started as several independent products being squished together, um, today we have a, a true suite of products with lots of integration. And in the, in the vRealize automation component of that, I'll talk about the, the integrations that are happening there. But vRealize Suite, um, so VRA 7.3 was released um, late last month. Uh, vRealize Operation 6.6 .6 was released yesterday. vRealize Log Insight 4.5, uh, I hope I'm getting that right, uh, launched yesterday as well. vRealize Business. 7.3 was released yesterday, um, and those are the, uh, and let's see, Log Insight, VRealize Business, VRealize Operations, um, and then, yeah, and then to the side there, we've got, uh, you know, VRealize Network Insight, we've got VIO, we've got the rest of the those transformative technologies, but from a VRealize Suite perspective, um, you know, we do, so for VRA, you know, this is the, the top of the stack, um, but it's also the, the cloud abstraction layer where, where I'm consuming and building everything as a fabric, uh, and then consuming it as a, through a unified catalogs with a lot of line of business desires in place, so business policy and processes. Uh, but what it does the best, the sexiest part of it, is the integration and orchestration of, of, these, um, of the surrounding ecosystem, regardless of what techno that technology is. We'll do a lot of native integration into things like vSAN or NSX, um, but then we have an extensibility engine that will plug into, again, just about anything with a REST API. Um, vRealize Operations gives me my health, risk, and efficiency. It's the operational aspect of the NOC, of the cloud, right? It's, it's one of those right. solutions now that I look at. If, I, if I'm talking to a customer and they don't have VROps implemented, I, I scratch my head. Like, why isn't VROps a part of this? I'm driving analytics. I'm looking at um, you know, what's about to happen versus what just happened. Because that just what, what just happened tool just screwed me, right? I need to know what's about to happen, and I need to plan for it. I need to be able to respond to it. I need to have a, a you know, root cause available to me and a mitigation plan. And VROps plugs into the entire ecosystem of the operation and tells you exactly that from a world level to an individual component on an individual host or an OS stack or an application stack, right? And it brings all of that together. Uh, log Insight cool. gives me the... Yeah 
the, the deep analytical logging across the suite as well as across the ecosystem feeds all that into operations. Uh, and then VR, Virialize Business plugs into all of those components but consumed through VRA uh, when VRA is in the mix and, uh, and puts business logic behind all of this. What is all of this costing me? Um, so I have visibility into the, um, the key metric that we should all be concerned about, which is the cost per application. And I, I say that in every talk, cost per application is key. And if I can drive that down, uh, I can justify this project, I can help our business move forward, and, and I'm going to have all the visibility in making decisions in the, in the digital world. So all of those make up the vRealize suite. Nice. So cost of application across its life cycle then. Correct. All right. So in 7.3, I think we got some things that uh, you've called out as is interesting, things that we might want to talk about, parameterized blueprints, uh, some other things. Where do you want to start on what's new with 7.3? Yeah, so you know, I, I'd like to cover the what we call the spotlight features. And, and these are, I mean, I think there's a list of 100 plus individual things that have been addressed in, in vRealize Automation. So vRealize Automation is one component in the vRealize suite. Uh, VRA uh, 7.3 um, was released, it's the latest, uh, latest increment. And for a dot release, it's pretty, pretty massive step forward, um, which seem, you know, seems to be the trend. Um, so lots of, lots of really cool things. Uh, I did post the, so you posted the, uh, the what's new, um, and then I just posted the scoop, which is a little more technical take on, on what was delivered on the thread. But, you know, one of, one of the things I want to focus on, or the technologies I want to focus on, are the things that really came from customer needs. Um, and so blueprints, um, in Virialize Automation, we have what's called the Converged Blueprint Designer, or the Unified Blueprint. And this allows you to drag and drop any component uh, right onto a canvas, bind things together, uh, build out your, your application architecture with all the dependencies in place, external systems, integrated systems, networking, storage, whatever it is, take a good view of that, publish it and title it and have it consumed in your catalog um, or export it in YAML and, and being, have it consumed or even written as infrastructure as code. Um, all of that is, is really great. A lot of the, the needs from our customers were more around um, how can I take a blueprint and instead of building several different instantiations of a blueprint because I have a different policy for a different group, I want to I reduce Blueprint sprawl. I want to be able to do much less work and and really take advantage of, of blueprinting. So um, one of those use cases was being able to take a blueprint and um, instead of having, you know, for example, CPU, memory, storage, sliders on uh, at request time, I want to be able to do what's called T-shirt sizing, which is uh, small, medium, large, extra large, JAD size, whatever it is, uh, right, um, right. medium, you know, and, and I want right. to be able to just standardize how I deliver this infrastructure. And then we have image policies that allow me to, uh, you know, with a blueprint, with an image policy and a sizing policy, I could now replace, you know, dozens and dozens, and in one particular customer, dozens of different blueprints instantiations with a single blueprint. And that policy that allows me to be very fluid in, in how a consumer um, would uh, would request this application or whatever it is, um, right. and it's it's more sure. of a like an Amazon consumption model, you know, small, medium, large. It's a desired thing, yeah. and we yeah. we have a means of doing that with extensibility, but we needed it to be out of the box, and now it is native, out of the box. It's like three steps to set up. It's really awesome, uh, and I think we're getting a lot of really positive feedback on that. So that's that, that's one one of my favorites. Okay, good. Uh, I, I just want to do a shout out. You do have a blog that covers a lot of this also. So blogs.vmware.com slash management. You can go there and look for Realize Business for Cloud, What's New in 7.3. So take a look at that. Um, I like the intelligent blueprints. We do that on, in, in the work we do where we, we have tiers and we just have smart tiers that, you know, tier one, tier two, tier three, you make uh, that and then there's some minor changes in each tier that you can select and, and now you have our service, right? So, so, so pretty neat, uh, yeah. good stuff and that's in 7.3. Yeah, it's in Realize Automation 7.3, yep. Yeah. Okay, um, all right. Uh, and then, you know, another one that, you know, I talked about the suite and how these used to all be individual products squished together. 
Uh, we've been right. doing a lot of work between us and the operations team, my counterparts and the engineering counterparts and ops in delivering a, another very desired customer use case, which is, you know, VRA, when, when I go in and request a machine, we have, uh, we have these um, objects called reservations or these policies called reservations, which is a subset of resources that I can assign and consume by, that is assigned to and consumed by groups and users. Um, and then we, we do this very basic placement algorithm that says, hey, if, if you're reaching capacity in, in virtual data center A, um, fail over to virtual data center B, or just do a round robin deployment, et cetera. Um, we wanted to put a lot more intelligence behind that. And if there's one tool that's available to us that can do exactly that, it's B-Realize Operations. Um, so this has been in the works for quite some time. And now, out of the box, it's a tick box to opt in. In VRA, you set up VROps as an endpoint, and then you tick in, uh, you just hit the checkbox to say, use VRealize operations policies for placement. And what I do from that point forward is as a, a particular user, consumer, DevOps consumer, whoever it is, goes and requests a machine or a service, instead of VRA using its built-in logic to place that on a reservation, he's going to actually step back, consult with VROps, VR Ops is going to say, hey, I've been watching your infrastructure and your, your reservations, which are tied to these fear clusters. And based on the needs of that application and what I know is happening in your environment, the best place to, to deploy that is in cluster B at remote data center A, whatever. And so we're taking the guesswork out of it. VR Ops is using analytics to make that placement, uh, and it's called intelligent placement, and it is natively integrated into the product. This is not extensibility. This is not some um, third-party workflow that's run. It's not the event broker. It is native, uh, native API-driven uh, analysis and placement done between these two products. And all you have to do is have them stood up side by side, VRA 7.3 and VR Ops 6.6, and then you you uh, you build the, the placement policy based on your desired um, placement. So it could be aggressive. It can be uh, for workload consolidation, whatever it is. And then VRA will respond based on um, based on those policies. So it's super cool. Um, again, it just makes everybody's life so much easier, and we get to drive down that cost per application by driving efficiency by using consolidation ratios um, that VRA would typically avoid. But now we can actually use analytics to say, yes, this is a safe bet. Place it there based on the needs of the business, uh, and then release automation as I go from so, test dev to pre prod to, to production. I need ops there to tell me the best place to, the best infrastructure to place those um, those machines at throughout its life cycle. So really cool. Um, that's another favorite in 7.3. Yeah. I can just see where you could have an Alexa, uh, Alexa, you know, integration where you can, it can just talk to me and tell me what it's doing, right? Where you have AI figuring all this out, looking at the analytics, and then and then and then every once in a while saying, hey, I'm doing, how's my data center doing? And it's just going to talk to me and have an interface. I know some people have done that. I don't know, you know, if you're at the Amazon yeah, uh, little, little little Alexa box, right? So I was going to say, you don't have to use your, pretty soon you won't be using your imagination. So um, already uh, a couple of peers of mine in within VMware, um, uh, one on the ops side, operations side, John Diaz, is working this really awesome project with Alexa. Um, a, a, uh, another colleague, uh, Cody, uh, new to VMware, was a customer, um, is working uh, so several use cases with Alexa on the VRA side, and we've already got a lot of great, um, yeah, thanks. Um, somebody posted a link. There's a, there's a lot of good use cases I'm working with Cody on, um, and I want, as soon as Siri opens up, we're going to do the same thing with Siri. Hopefully that, that comes after these announcements or come later this fall. Uh, but the ops stuff yeah. is also coming out, and it is awesome. It is like wake up in the morning, ask Alexa how your infrastructure is doing, get a readout, and and just it's really cool. Uh, and then Cody's doing uh, his work on VRA, but good stuff yeah. there. But yeah, anyway, yeah. it's an extensible yeah. platform at the end of the day. Yeah, so we yeah, yeah, that's it. That. It's the intelligent placement. It's a, we're all going there, right? We're all it's 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 getting more and more intelligent, and pretty soon the numbers and sheer volume. One of the other things that I I always ask myself is you know how many VMs. How how big infrastructure should I have, you know, before I start looking at this and going, yeah, some of this is going to make uh, a payback for me, right? Um, maybe with Alexa and that, it's I can take it down to I'm only running 10 VMs and I 
still want to talk to her every morning and say, how are we doing? But where do you see the sweet spot of where some of the stuff makes sense to, to put the time and energy in? You, you know, well, I mean, one of the goals is leveraging a community like this to just build it, you know, and put it up on VMware code, put it in the sample exchange, share this stuff. There's so much, there's, there's a lot of really good, very smart people building this stuff already. They just don't know what to do with it. So it ends up just sitting in a, in a you know, in a box somewhere. But, um, but share, you know, come up with an awesome idea, share it, uh, present it in communities, present it uh, on a VPRM bag, do, do something. And right. have your yeah. other community members who are really passionate about this stuff take advantage of it. Um, and in that case, you're not having to do a whole lot of work, even if you have 10 VMs, and those are 10 critical VMs. Uh, between my bed and the shower, I want to just ask Alexa, so I'm not running downstairs and, or getting on my laptop to, to check on the knot, right. you know? Yeah, it's, that makes sense. Yeah. The sweet spot yeah. is everywhere. Everything is sweet. Right. Everything, everything is sweet. You make a good point, which is even if you're just running a small thing, the fact that you can do cool stuff and share it with it makes it worth it anyway, right? And then you can go pick up stuff that other people have done. So nice. Exactly. Moving on to my my new favorite subject, uh, containers and containers and more containers. So I hear you guys are doing some more work with containers as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. So here's the challenge. Okay, four years ago, Docker was going to eat VMware alive, right? That's what analysts were saying anyway. Um, right. I yeah. would be really surprised if more than a small handful of anybody listening to this podcast has containers in production. Some larger number of that has somewhat of a container strategy they're working on, and a good amount of, the, of your listeners, uh, or the, let's just say the, the industry as a whole, has a need to do this, just can't really figure out how, how it, to kind of bring it all together. And, and the problem is the onboarding part. So yeah, I can do a Docker run and I could have instant gratification. Um, the, the DevOps consumer no longer really cares about infrastructure anymore. They just want their app and it's good enough and it's doing what they want. But, but then what? You know, lifecycle yeah. management becomes a retooling exercise. Um, yeah. How do you if you're doing that at work, if you're doing that in production, if you're doing that uh, for, for critical apps, you know, how do you handle non-persistent data tiers? How do you handle ITSM processes or business policies and processes that have been around for 20 years that just cannot mold for a Docker run without, again, retooling and reinvesting? And it's that rip and replace that I just hate, right? We want to avoid that. So, yeah, I I was ha I was having a good conversation about that yesterday with somebody uh, where you know it's it's easy to set it up it's easy to make stuff new right but three years from now when you're trying to manage the life cycle of everything that you just got set up then you face all the problems that everybody else that's in this business has already faced right and so you have to get into the space of what am I doing here and how much am I spending to to manage that need infrastructure that I just set up without without thinking through the life cycle of it and how the management of that is. So uh, I, I feel that, yeah, the new thing in the room, but then you have to look at the life cycle of it. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the thing is, the challenge is the business does not know how to respond. Now, of course, that's a general statement. There's a lot of folks who are telling us what we need to do. Um, as a provider because they want to stick to these tool sets and they, they've figured it out, but they need the, the business logic to support it. So that's exactly what we're delivering in vRealize Automation. Um, so in 7.2, we introduced it. In 7.3, we've refined it. Um, VMware Admiral is, a, um, is our container management engine that we've spun out to be an open source product. So if you go to GitHub or if you go to Git, um, you can look up uh, VMware Admiral. Um, that is a core service within vRealize Automation. Um, and what we're doing is a couple of things. First of all, we want to be able to provide container hosts and container resources as a service, leveraging VM-based container hosts, you know, Photon OS, uh, um, Core OS, or any Linux machine or, or any machine that supports sure. the Docker API. Um, then we want to be able to build, author, and manage, deliver um, containers, so Gen 3 apps, uh, alongside Gen 2 apps, and more importantly, Gen 2.5 apps. So this is where I have in a single converged blueprint, drag and drop a, you know, an Ubuntu box or a Red Hat box, build my app stack on a, um, to build a persistent data tier, my SQL or whatever, and then in the same exact canvas, drag and drop a web 
front end that I'm pulling directly from Docker Hub or Harbor or any of my repos, bind those things together, and at delivery time, I'm building my traditional uh, IaaS stack alongside with my containerized non-persistent stack as a single offering, bringing these two things together. And more importantly, I'm tying business logic in, I'm tying cost in, I'm tying operational aspects in, and when I request that machine, ServiceNow or Remedy or my ITSM tools know about it, my auditing tools, networking tools, my business, I've lit up 30 inboxes, that's what's missing. You know, we, we can't just cut and, and expect that the business is going to be behind doing something completely new. And by the way, a lot of it's going to be outside your visibility. Um, that's not how technology is adopted within a business, uh, within the vast majority of the business. Of course, there are lots of bleeding edge and, and that's awesome, but that's not the norm. So we build the tools and the solutions to help adopt next gen and quickly make it the norm because it's comfortable. It's comfortable doing it. I know I'm not losing uh, these strategies, and that's what VRA container management does. Um, from authoring to lifecycle management to delivery and business process, it, it just, it's awesome. So it's actually, kind of, it's actually it, yeah, yeah it's, it's actually great because now you can move into the container space without worrying about all that extra, extra stuff that would hit you two years from now, because you moved to an entire new process and there's no connectivity between your old processes and this, this new technology. So definitely, definitely yeah. a, a good strategy. So Fluffy Admin, just love that, just said, um, you know, their customers have 30 Docker hosts in production and they completely circumvented any existing IT or business process. That is precisely the problem. And that is why when, you, when new projects are proposed and it goes up the stack and the CIO hits it and says, wait a second, you know, this is rogue IT in, in its best form. You, we can't be doing business like this. The amount of risk, I don't care if it's a container or if it's a full unpatched Windows box or, or a Linux box, there's risk. Yeah. There is immediate risk if you don't have the control you need uh, to do business uh, or to run IT like a business. And so um, this is where these tools come in place. So very, um, very happy to see that and, and putting huge amounts of uh, effort behind it. VMware as a whole and my, my BU uh, definitely is, is very quickly leaning towards the, the, the dev cloud use cases, development cloud. Uh, so you're going to see our, our products evolve uh, very quickly, very rapidly to to start driving more of these solutions and, and make uh, customer lives way easier. Nice, nice, good, good. Um, I like that. I, I think that's the right strategy. And thanks for thanks for sharing that with everybody. Um, we'll stay tuned on you know where that goes. Uh, last thing I have on my list that that we should talk about is NSX enhancements. I mean we're all trying to become uh, network admins or at least you know, yeah. learn more and more about network administration for some of us who've been storage or some of us have been uh, compute. Now we're in the network space. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so here's one of those native integrations that just keep on getting better. Um, NSX is, is a rocket ship. It's just incredible the amount of growth and, um, and adoption that NSX is getting across the board, across the customer, you know, across different um, verticals uh, everywhere from DOD to healthcare to finance and it's it's a a rocket ship. Um, I can spend all day talking about NSX, but just put it this way: um, in its lifespan, it is two x, three x. I don't know what the exact number is of where vSphere was at the same time in its lifespan. So four years in of vSphere, or for, you know ESX, and that's huge. And it should be a good indicator of where we're going with this SDDC, right? Network software is eating the world. And the network uh, is going to be a huge part of that. Just this morning, we had an all hands and, and a customer talked about how just avoiding future cost completely transformed the business. And, um, and it's, a, it's a big indicator of, you know, why and how software is changing everything. So, so take NSX and build it as an infrastructure tool. It, it, without going too deep into NSX, NSX needs a packet forwarder and it sits on that and it'll build you a multi-layer network, right, with end-to-end -end services. It is just a spectacular product. I've, I've also written a lot about it on my blog, a lot of the integrations and lots of other uh, resources out there. Um, now, bring vRealize automation into the mix. 
And this is right. where things get really interesting because now I, I could not only deliver NSX and its entire scope of services as a service through VRA, um, but I could then drag and drop, I could also drag and drop core or, or um, uh, yeah, VR or NSX's core services right onto my canvas and consume it um, as part of an application architecture or an application build. And so on-demand networks like uh, on-demand NATED, one-to-one, one-to-many policies, uh, on-demand um, load balancers that automatically build the entire load balancing policy, all the pools, the, 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 um, the VIPs, et cetera. On-demand uh, routed networks that automatically plug the destination application into an upstream distributed logical router, all of it done. Um, and of course, on-demand security groups, and then consuming existing security policies, leveraging NSX's security tags, all of this is drag and drop, uh, and it is phenomenal, because not only can I design it with network in place, but I could then roll it out, and every application that's deployed has all of these networking tools. You know, it's a warm, fuzzy blanket, um, that, that security blanket that's wrapped around every single application. I'm one checkbox away from doing complete app isolation if that was my use case and I wanted to do that, protecting east-west traffic from every other deployment in, in a way that is totally cost prohibitive today. Again, leveraging core NSX technologies, but now I have the visibility into it. Then I deploy, and I deploy 100 of them, right? 100 machines or, or whatever, I just deploy. And then I destroy. And this is where the second part of this comes in. When I, well, of course, second part is actually I lifecycle manage, modify, change, evolve, but then I destroy or decommission. The beauty about wrapping networking and security via NSX and VRA around an application's lifecycle is that at any given point, I can govern the, the request. I can govern anything that's done uh, throughout its lifecycle. I can govern whether or not I'm allowed to even remove those networking uh, components. And when, it is, when that machine is decommissioned, I also decommission all of all of its dependencies, and a tell or a, um, a sign that we are definitely on the right track uh, in this execution about the decommissioning part is that when you talk to large groups of people and you say, "Hey, you know, you've been a network admin for 12 years or six years, or you've uh, been a data center architect for this many years," when you decommission a box, a VM, bare metal, whatever it is. Is there a process that goes back and pulls back all the ACLs, all the firewall policies across all the tiers that were stood up initially to protect that application? Not to mention it's the longest pull in the tent. It takes the longest amount of time. Um, I could deploy a machine in 30 seconds. Why is it still taking weeks to get that machine into production? And it's because the network and because security and because of red tape. And then the risk when I pull it all out and leave all these rogue firewall policies and ACLs behind, um, that is, that's, that's junk, right? We can't do that. Uh, and everybody listening to this call has that problem, I promise you. Yeah, um, yep, I'm listening to it. And I'm just going through and going, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I do that. So, yep, I've got so, scrapling all over the place. You, exactly. You leave these rogue policies behind, which can be more dangerous when you, when you deploy a new machine um, using a, an IP address, a reused IP address, and now you've got road policy protecting that machine, and you're troubleshooting, you're scratching your head, like, what the heck is going on? And then you have these thousands and thousands and thousands of lines of ACLs that you have to, to comb through, unless you're investing in just ridiculous software or, or management tools for just that use case. Why? Get beyond that. Let's get past it. Delete your application, have it governed, give me an audit trail, even let the networking security team say, yes, it's okay to undo this stuff. And just the fact that that networking security exists, I can approve it um, throughout its entire life cycle, and then I could automate the cleanup, even going beyond NSX, but the, the, the native integrations with NSX. So oh, I just realized I haven't even said it, uh, talked about what's new. That's, that's why these two products come together. Now, the what's new right. part is the ability to manipulate networks post-provisioning. So in VRA 7.3, we've added the ability to manage uh, NAP policies. So I could add forwarding policies. I could remove forwarding policies. I can change security group membership on a live machine and have it go through all the governance and lifecycle management. And of course, leverage everything else VRA gives me, which means you know update my CMDBs, update my ITSM tools, et cetera. Um, and so these day two operations is where we focused. Uh, we've also completely replaced 
the integration uh, from Vrealize Orchestrator, our orchestration engine, which is in, in 7073 and NSX 6.3, um, it's direct API integration. So we're getting you know, much better uh, integration, much greater capability or more functional, um, cap you think, better capability, better integration. Um, these are lifecycle together from a product development perspective. And, um, and, and the efficiency and consumption, et cetera, and visibility and all those things. So we're adding new tech. Uh, it's going to continue to grow. Um, the ability to also change uh, at request time, be able to, to size your distributed logical routers and edge services gateways, we can all do now in 7.3. Uh, so huge enhancements, and it's just going to keep getting better. So NSX is, is here to stay um, in VRA's world. So. Fantastic. We only got eight minutes left. I thought I would uh, switch gears a little bit and ask you, you know, we've always looked at virtualization and adoption, where you are in the process of automating, getting VMs up, uh, et cetera, and we have this kind of complex adoption curve. Uh, how do you think customers are doing around the adoption of full management to, to be able to take advantage of this? Do you see customers you know, adopting the whole suite, making this happen, and, and how, how are they doing on scale when it comes to the number of VMs that they're actually automating and making this happen? Can you give us a couple examples that you've seen customers doing it right, and what are the challenges of getting there? Yeah, so there's so many responses to that. Um, on, you know, on one hand, the adoption, it, it, it's history repeating itself. If we look at virtualization 15 years ago, um, when, you know, our customers and me as a customer even, you know, would look at virtualization like, okay, well, I'm going to consolidate on these common hosts. Let's just do the non-critical apps uh, and see what happens. And those non-critical apps are more available, higher performing, um, and the, the cost just bottoms. And you're just like, wow, this is pretty great. And then you fast forward and business critical apps and everything is on virtualization. Because every time I virtualize, I gained control I gained visibility, I reduced costs, and I physically saw it happen. And I financially saw it, saw the impact, right? Every time okay. we consolidated yeah. from data centers, multiple data centers to fewer, from 100 racks to 10, from, you know, et cetera, it just sh shaved an incredible amount of cost and burden from, from running these new applications. So today, you know, we revisit that and we say, you know, how, what would a solution like Virilize Suite uh, do for you? And, and you go back to those customers who have these massive consolidation ratios and, and are 96% virtualized um, or 100% in x86, and they say, okay, you know, I've enjoyed all this reduction in costs and these efficiencies over the years, but, but now what? And when you align what we are delivering with not just what the business needs are but, or what just the IT needs are, but also that bottom line, and you say, you know, your most expensive component today is time, and that should be the case across the board at this point, if we could start eliminating time, so time to market, um, time to do any given task, uh, the time associated with repetitive uh, topic or repetitive processes and, and workflows, that, that is what's going to resonate, and that is what's going to continue to, um, to, to move customers towards the cloud management platform. Um, it's, it's a great way to deliver more value to the business, uh, not to mention everything else that this stuff does, right? This is, these set of products are designed to not just help you move to the, to the future, but also transition your business where it's a final machine. Um, and that doesn't just apply for net new applications. So customers look at vRealize Automation and say, cool, I have a catalog, I can request machines, but I don't really request machines that often whereas I have some universities that are doing it hundreds and hundreds a week, if not more. Sure. Well, right. there's a ton of value in bringing existing VMs under scope and under control or management of VMware's cloud management platform because I gain lifecycle management, I gain control, I gain governance, I gain all these technologies and capabilities. Uh, and you just probably won't need the, the higher-end feature set of an enterprise license, for example. Just one final use case, and then I, I think I'll shut up. Maybe. <laughs> is, Maybe. Uh, you know, one, one customer that stood out, uh, and I tell this story all the time, is a DOD customer, and they're like, you know, we don't, I, I was doing discovery, and I was saying, why, 
like what made you bring us in? Why, what are your biggest concerns? Why, why do you think VRA is, is going to solve this for you? Uh, because I didn't understand that yet. And he goes, I have 104 vCenter admins with admin rights to vCenter. And this is a DOD customer. And, and I said, holy crap, oh, yeah. how many That's should you have? Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, how, I said, how many should you have? He goes, four. Right. So I need to eliminate 100 people, um, 100 hands, 100 accounts from having those admin rights uh, because it's just so hard to manage. So then we spent a half-day workshop, and essentially what we delivered there without a, a whole lot of effort was when you bring in virtualized automation into the mix, those 100 people who needed to do a tiny subset of, of the work that the vCenter admins need to do all now live in a portal and they have governance and, and controls that are managed by those four or by the, you know, by, right. by the enterprise. Yeah. Yep. And, right. and that completely changed their take on a cloud management platform. It's not just about self-service and automation. It's about control. It's about, and it really just depends on what it's, your it's needs are managing, and what angle you're coming managing, from. It's about scaling out management too and managing managers, right? And managing exactly. services through a scale. Process. Exactly. That's, so bring on VMware Cloud on, on AWS. Bring on, um, you know, vCloud Air or, or uh, vCloud uh, at, at IBM or Amazon or Azure, Hyper-V, Zen, KVM, right? You need, to, you need a platform to manage them all, and that's what these solutions do. Um, and, and just the use cases are, uh, are sky's the limit, really. Okay, great. So I'll do a little bit of evangelizing before we leave here, which is if you want to get vRealize 7.3, I think you can get it at the download center, right? Is it is it been published yet? I know we do announcements yep. of the stuff, but I don't know when it actually comes out. So yeah, at yep, the download it's been published center. And, and I need a whole other hour to talk about the enhancements and the install and implementation and lifecycle management. Lots of really cool things. Uh, huge API enhancements um, to, to right. allow you to totally programmatically build, or I'm sorry, deploy, manage, uh, and and consume uh, this entire stack. So. That. But yeah, you can download it today. Um, right. The right. Whole I know they got they got like sixty ninety day licenses out there. Also, if you want to become a V expert, uh, we give year long licenses to this stuff for V experts. So uh, if you want to be an evangelist and get your hands on it, build your own labs, share stuff, as you point out, um, you can you can go do that, become a V expert, and get licenses for the stuff for free. And I know the V Realize Suite is part of that uh, yearly license package as well. So that's cool. Um, how else? Uh, what's your blog? Do we can do a shout out to a blog? Yep. If you want to do that? So, yep, virtualjad.com. Um, lots of uh, different topics there, predominantly consumed by this topic, um, automation. Right. So, right, virtual chad, v i r t u a l j a d dot com. So go there yep. if you're listening on the radio. Yeah, at at virtualjad on Twitter. Um, I will be at VMworld. Um, I have uh, five five talks at VMworld and a panel, and so we'll be talking about uh, the container conundrums. One of mine, full stack automation. Uh, another what's new session. Um, so tons of uh, great content at VMworld, but but man, did a whole lot of stuff not make it. It was very upsetting. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we we mentioned that at the beginning of the of the call. Yeah. You know, we may, maybe we'll we'll do a shout out to you, get you over to the to the uh, VMTN tech tech area. You can do some do a quick fifteen minute talk. We like that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah so, so great. Yeah, you're a big community guy as well. So like that. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the mentions. Um, show up on Slack. Say hello to the uh, vRealize Slack people. That would be kind of cool. They're out there chatting. I don't know yep. if you follow that. Or not, but yep. Yep, I uh, do. VRA um, VRA channel. I'm on there. Um, so yeah, please do take questions there. I'm I'm always logged in. And you will be at Europe, so have a have a fun flight over there. That should be good. Um, so hey, Chad, thanks for coming on the show. That was that was a good snippet. If we if we get if we get slow and we need somebody back, we'll invite you back, and you can talk about install and all the rest of the stuff that's out there. Just the <laughs> kinds of stuff you could talk about for a year. Oh, absolutely. I can I can talk about this stuff all day and week. So yeah, please do. I'm happy to to, to come back and and pick another topic and. Uh, Thanks again for inviting me, and thanks for everybody listening in. Please do provide um, any feedback you have um, on Slack or any other medium. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Well, thanks a lot. We're at the top of the hour, so appreciate it. And uh, we'll be back again next Wednesday. So until then, hope everybody have, has a great week, and we'll talk to you again.